Hey, Luke here, and you're watching. Uh, watching. You're not watching. Like, you're listening to whatever this thing's called. What's this called? <laughs> uh, bookends, right? Bookends. Bookends. The show not about books. Yeah. We should have called it Off the Books, but, you know, too late to change it. Well, now we're on the books because this is, uh, this is, we're doing a short story episode because Bookends is just becoming a variety. Again. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, guess, I mean, I guess we could get started. Welcome, right? Hey. All right. Yeah, just Hi, jump everybody. in. Sure. I think of an intro anyway. I'll, I'll, I'll cut. I'll cut that. I'll cut that up and make it make it nice. I guess, um, as nice as I can. Uh, welcome to Bookends. We're um, we are reading Ernest Hemingway this month for the main episode. Uh, seeing as he has lots of famous old movies based off of his books, we didn't watch any of those. Of course. Uh, and instead, we're them. reading his short stories. There's plenty, yeah, and there's plenty to be found there. Um, a lot of them are really good. And um, me being a notorious anti-Hemingway, not really anti-anti-Hemingway, but like, you know, lukewarm. Hemingway hater. Nah, nah, I don't hate Hemingway. I'm just kind of lukewarm about Hemingway. Uh, but I have some very interesting opinions about this. This time, for once, I'm agreeing with Pierce, but I'm disagreeing with our other co-host here, Luke. Yeah, generally... If you're wondering the opinions on Hemingway in this in this group in this three-person group uh, is that me and Luke generally like Hemingway for totally different reasons, and Justin does not like Hemingway because I love purple prose. I love it when it's all poetic and just you know flowery, but you know Hemingway is like nah, nah. Let's make it as just little as possible because it's iceberg theory. <laughs> um, we should probably explain that a little bit, but um, iceberg theory basically is less is more, leave, um, leave a lot to the imagination, excise any extraneous words, adverbs, indications, etc. So, um, not my thing. I, I just really like it when people like to go wild when they're writing. I will say I do think it's it's an exaggeration to like. And that's not just you. I feel like that this is everyone. It's an exaggeration to say Hemingway doesn't use any of those writing um, as much as he could, probably. Yeah, he, he doesn't use them as much as he could. He he does use those those uh, writing techniques, just not. Uh, he he tried. His point was to not overuse them, so that way your the meaning behind your actually were actual. I can't speak. So that way, the meaning behind your actual words doesn't get lost in those mm. techniques. Uh, anyhow, uh, so we read The Snows of Kilimanjaro, which is probably one of, if not his most famous uh, short story. Uh, and then we also read A Clean, Well-Lighted Place, which is my favorite and also probably Mine. another one of his top. Yeah. And also probably another one of his top five most famous. Uh, and then Soldier's Home, which is a lesser known one. It's still known because it's, you know, it's Hemingway. But Underrated. Uh, yeah, it's 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 not as well known as the first two. Um, so I figured we jump right in to the snows of Kilimanjaro. Uh, does anyone want to go over a, a plot summary of this one? You just this guy is just not like his wife. <laughs> it just um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any summary on hand. We should have probably organized that a little bit earlier. But um, well, basically, this guy has gangrene in his leg and. Um, mm -hmm. he's just—I think he's just very bitter towards his wife, and um, it just cuts back and forth between um 
him being really rude towards his wife. I think this guy's a writer as well. Please help me out here. I don't know. Yes. Story. Yes. Okay. So the so this guy Harry is an author, uh, and he is dying of gangrene in his leg, um, and his wife Helen is there, and she's trying to be helpful, um, but in fact he is very like sarcastic, and he's um, speaking about death as if it's like about to happen when she still is holding out hope that there's going to be like a plane coming to to get him out. Uh, and then he's just like he's so he gets so frustrated with it that he just starts like berating his wife pretty much. Yeah. Um, and so it cuts between scenes of that of him being like, oh, you know, I'm I'm dead. What of it? So what? It's over. Uh, and his wife being like, no. And then him um, rudely rebuffing rudely. Yes. Yeah, rudely rebuffing. Uh, and then it cuts to. Uh, his past and you know different places he's been with his wife um in italicized like parts and uh he's lived in a bunch of different places of europe it talks about like uh, i think in like greece or somewhere close by in like thrace in that area he um he gets into like a fight or something there there's basically it kind of is is like his downfall almost as like a um an author as like mm-hmm. a, an artist he you know he falls in love with well falls in love he gets with his wife uh and she has money and he m- seems like he's kind of conflicted over whether he really likes her or just really likes the fact that she has money um and then you know he travels with her and slowly over time he kind of loses uh, his artistic pursuit, I guess mm. you could put it. And that's why it's kind of revealed. That's why they're in Africa uh, is that he's trying to like come alive again and write again and all that. Um, and then he eventually dies. Uh, and there's this weird like dream sequence where he like gets picked up, but not really. And then he like turns into a spirit thing. And then he's on top of, isn't he on top of Kilimanjaro or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, he's, he's like on square square top of Kilimanjaro. Yeah, and then his it cuts back to his wife coming in, and he she looks at him, and he's like dead in the bed. And then you can hear this like coyote laughing in the distance. It sounds like a human. Sounds like human. Him. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's you know, I, I I would still read it. It's a famous short story for a reason, but like. This is kind of where I can see people have a problem with iceberg theory. Mm-hmm. I like Hemingway for the meaning, for being able to tell exactly what's happening and then being able to dig at the meaning. Um, I looked up some of the analysis of this book, and it is very, it's very deep. Um, there's something about Kilim- the Mount of Kilimanjaro being like the house of God. Um, oh, wow. And like him... Tr- <laughs> him him traveling there in that like dream sequence is like him re like he he was taken there because he found himself again as like an artist and he like now is it's like heaven kind of it seems i don't know it's really weird and it's not i don't feel like that meaning is very well um respected like <laughs> no not not very well respected i just mean like I don't I don't think it's something that um 
an average reader would be able to find the stretch reading yeah. through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was good. It was well written. Um, I, yeah, I felt nothing towards it. I mean, like I, I was, um, interested and knowing mm-hmm. what was going to happen. The ending was kind of, huh, kind of ho-hum. Didn't really feel much towards it. It just dragged for a short story. It was really just like, Man, another flashback about this guy being really rude towards his wife. And I just I low-key just stopped kind of caring. I, I mean, I didn't hate it. It's just like I felt indifference towards it. I mean, but Luke, this is your favorite story. What, why is this so good to you? All right. So I don't know. I never really get most of the little iceberg theory bits, but I just thought it was hilarious <laughs> how uh, this dude is like dying at like <laughs> He's such a loser. He just starts bitching at his wife as he's dying. He's like, fuck you. I hate you. I never loved you. I only got with you because you were rich, you stupid bitch. <laughs> and then the wife is just like taking it because she's dying. And it's like, oh, what are you going to do? He's going to be dead soon. And I like was a loser by shit. It was so funny for a bit. Um, yeah. And then it like. The whole, th- the, the whole thing came out. It's like, oh, yeah, uh, I married you because you were rich. I lost my artistic ambition. So then we came to Africa so I could get it back. And then I was an idiot. Now I'm dying. dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you're an absolute POS, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like, complete POS. And uh, I don't know. I just, I thought it was hilarious. Books don't make me, like, laugh out loud, you know? Mm-hmm. This book, I, like, had to stop reading like three separate times because I was like, I was in shock and I was laughing. I was like, this dude is not giving this girl a break. Wow. I, I thought it, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. I think, I think some of it is funny, but I also think like, that's kind of another reason why I can't really take it as seriously. Like the meaning that he's trying to portray, like, it feels like he's trying to say that the, that the thing that this guy is doing is like a great, like he's getting away from the things that was detracting from his art, 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 and that's good. Um, mm. And he dies like a man who, you know, not perfect, but is like doing a good thing and searching for for his art, artistic ambition. Um, but he just seems like a <laughs> pathetic, like a real a real jerk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems pretentious, really. Mm-hmm. Um. But I am surprised because I was wondering what what would we find funny in this? I'm just like, this guy's kind of, I mean, question. I probably should ask you um, on that episode. But did you find Kafka funny or tragic? Do you have the same? It wasn't funny. Well, Kafka thought it was funny because when he wrote his stories, he was laughing really hard. Apparently. So um, I I found some humor in it. So I guessing I'm just guessing we have uh, some different sense of humor i, I guess you yeah. find hilarity and tragedy i mean i i guess should i bring up that the crime and punishment you pierce but that's i feel like okay crime basically crime and punishment i've been i've been rereading it it's morbidly funny um that i feel like that's probably a pretty common opinion there are some parts in it that are like morbidly funny just the situation this guy gets into um Anyways, that's Hemingway's hilarious. That's our takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have that much more to say about this story just because I 
you know, I didn't, I personally didn't really get it. And I didn't really get the explanation of the analysis yeah. when I looked it up. So you can assign your own interpretation to it. We're not going to yeah. legislate anything or dictate how you should think it because we don't understand it either. I mean, Luke just thought it was funny. Yep. That's all. Um, I, shall we go to the next story? Unless Luke has another funny joke about this. About this. Nah, that's about it. Okay. All right. Uh, Soldier's Home is up next. We go from our author in the last story named Harry to a uh, veteran, a World War One veteran named Harold in, in this story. Um, so he comes home uh, from World War One. He served, uh, he, I believe he joined up late, so he got out late. Um, mm. Like he didn't get out at the time that um, all the other, when the, when the war was over, when all the other soldiers got out and came home. And so he comes home kind of on his on his own and in 1919 so like a full year after the war is over or you know some somewhat close to a year at least he comes home to Oklahoma uh the town the people in the town don't really care cuz they've already done this like welcome home all the soldiers and the only time that they do care is when he like kind of embellishes his the like yeah. bad the negatives of of uh his Experience. time as a soldier. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is not to say, I don't think, I don't think Hemingway ever writes that he like didn't experience anything bad when he was in world war one. He just writes that like, he didn't experience anything bad enough that people cared. Um, yeah. Remembering correctly. Um, and he just, he kind of falls into like a bit of a rut. Like he's sleeping in, he's reading, uh, he goes on walks his, and like he's uh, kind of ignoring his parents as well. Something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't, he doesn't want to like date women. He thinks that he like feels like, you know, like it seems as if he thinks that the lives of people at home are a little bit frivolous. And so when he sees like, when he thinks about like getting a partner who's going to spend a lot of time with, he doesn't really uh, seem to be too excited about it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess the crux of the story ends with this conversation over breakfast that Harold has with his mother um, where um, he, there, there's this kind of weird scene. Did anyone else find the scene with him and his sister a little weird? It just felt a little weird to me. I don't. Do yeah, I... it was a bit. It was a bit funky. I just attributed it to some like old timey sibling. Yeah, shit. but yeah, um, it was a, It was giving me a little funky vibes when I read it. Yeah. So so here here's the lines. Um. I can pitch a lot better than lots of the boys. I tell them all you taught me. The other girls aren't much good. Yeah, said Krebs. His last name is Krebs. Harold. Harold Krebs. Yeah. Uh, I I tell I tell them all you're my beau. Aren't you my beau, Hare? Oh. You bet. Couldn't your brother really be your beau just because he's your brother? I don't know. Sure, you know. Couldn't you be my beau, Hare? If I was old enough and if you wanted to. Uh, sure, you're my girl now. Am I really your girl? Sure. Do you love me? Uh-huh. Will you love me always? Sure. Will you come over and watch me play indoor? Maybe. And then kind of the conversation kind of dies off. 
it just yeah. feels kind of weird. Um, again, like oh. Luke said, might be a little old timey, and it also might be like he's obviously not really like interested in her, even if it is meant that way because like he's not interested in dating anybody he says that before Mm. so um even if it is like you know they're being weirdly playful he's definitely not being serious so there's that (laughs) Um, yeah that was i completely forgot about that part and now i'm very unhappy that i now remember that part (laughs) yeah it was it was just a little weird uh not it was not the point of the story so like i guess just move on but I just I felt a little weird reading it. Anyway, so the mother sends the the his sister away and uh they talk for a while. Um he kind of agrees that uh or I guess first she asks him like what kind of plans he has and he's like I don't really know. And then she's like, "Oh, well God has a plan for everyone. Uh it's uh there can be no idle hands in his kingdom." And Krebs says that I, he's not in his kingdom oh. and basically that he doesn't believe in God. And his mother talks about how he's worried. She's worried about him and the father's worried. And, you know, she's going to um, another guy about his age has a good job and is going to get married. Um, And then there's some more like kind of. It feels a little bit like a lecture. And uh, then his mom's like, yes, don't. Uh, he's like, is that all? And she's like, yes, don't you love your mother, dear boy? And he says, no. And then she starts crying. And he yeah. says, I, I don't, don't love, love anybody. anybody. Yeah. Um, And she, he looks at her and he realizes she's hurt. And so mm-hmm. he tries to back up and be like, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Um, and she's like, she doesn't, he's like, can you believe me? And she doesn't believe him clearly. And then she just goes, all right, I believe you. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of have a little bit of a heart to heart and she prays for him. And then she's like, pray. And he's like, I can't. And she she says, I'll pray for you basically. And, uh, she prays for him. And then he leaves to go watch his sister plays play indoor baseball, I think. And uh, he's thinking like, oh, I'll just do it to make other people happy. So there's no fuss. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Now that, okay, now that you read back to me, I'm like, I think this might be a story about like post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's yeah, definitely a story. I don't know how I messed up that. Yeah. It's definitely a story about PTSD. I think more than anything, it's a story about the lost generation written mm-hmm. by someone from the lost generation. Um, I'm not saying like someone from World War II or some other war couldn't have experienced something similar, but it certainly feels like, you know, Harold feels lost. Uh, mm-hmm. Frankly, he he spends all of his days doing nothing. He doesn't want for anything. He doesn't believe in God. He He's lost. Um, and he thinks he he's struggling to find his way. Um, and I think if nothing else, like, yes, obviously, this is a story about PTSD. And that's that's an excellent thing to look at and take away from it. But also, um, 
it's a story about understanding the lost generation, I think, a little bit better. Yeah. But, but yeah, you're right. At first, I just thought it was a neat, like, just like, oh, but. It's a neat little story about a soldier coming home. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Well, N E E E T is just like basically just a siphon on the family. No, mm. no employment, education, or training. But now that you kind of put that in perspective, I'm like, oh, and I feel really bad for that interpretation. My initial reaction to the story. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, sorry <laughs> for that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, now the story is a little bit more tragic than dark. I, I, I wasn't going to say it was funny, but I was just like, wow, this is like kind of just sad and just mm-hmm. miserable. But now there's actual meaning to it. Um, it was just it wasn't just like senseless sadness. Right. Um, yeah, the, the the fact that he came home from work is actually very important. It's something that I kind of glossed over. I was like, oh, that's just part of his background. Luke, um, is this your second favorite story? It's like in the middle. Because I think it was I think it was all our middle favorites, right? Yeah, it was my middle favorite. I mean, Pierce kind of got everything I liked out of it already. I don't have anything really new to add. What, the the ending with the mother? Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty, yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, he leaves it ambiguous for a reason. It's like, oh, is he, gonna, is he cured? Is he going to actually commit to it? But um, we don't know. I don't think... I don't think it's very ambiguous at all, actually, frankly, just to just to completely contradict you for a second. Okay. Um, it it seems like he just to me, it's pretty clear that he's no matter I guess it is like ambiguous if he's going to get better or not, but I don't think yeah. that really matters. I think the point of the story is that he's going to do what his mom wishes for him yeah. no matter what, just to not cause like a fuss, just so people aren't upset because he doesn't really care either way. Okay. I agree. (laughs) Now I agree. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page. There are a couple of symbols we could could talk about, but you know, symbolism on a podcast. Why? Yeah. That's, we're not close. We don't read that close. Yeah. I definitely map is a symbol. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, Um, he wants to map map out his life. Yeah, he he was looking for direction in his own life. Oh, when he, when he's in the home, it's like he's sitting in the trenches. Technically, why? that's a reach. I that's not cited. The that's final not... symbol is the photograph at the beginning of the story. Describe it shows Kreb and his fraternity brothers all wearing the same thing, showing conformist mentality of pre-war Midwestern America. None of these are cited, so you know, grain of salt. This one, this one actually kind of makes sense to me okay. because he he's a conformist before leaving for war, and then he okay. went to war, and he no longer wants to fit into the oh, box that yeah that that's interesting. His mom, his mom puts him in. I don't know if it's that's a symbol as much as just a for an arc read, like, yeah. But um, um, how about how about how about his name? Harold Krebs. Harold is an old English name meaning army power or army ruler, and then Krebs is crab in German. Did you know that, Pierce? I did not know that. Now you know. They don't have many. They don't. They actually don't have many like nice speeches in Germany. So when you're learning German, they don't. Crab is not the first thing okay. that they teach you. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Um, I I didn't. Well, I mean, you could assign that. I mean, okay. I'm gonna assume that that was kind of intentional because it doesn't hurt to think it's not intentional. Um. Because like, it, it, I okay. I, I thought that you know, 
crabs. They walk sideways. They're they're useless to society. They're they're cretins. But um, no. I apparently, according to Wikipedia, this unsighted source, um, <laughs> it's like it's just it's a metaphor for um his crab like shell that he gained from the experience in the war, which I like my interpretation better. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, like. I think the symbols are the symbols in the story are actually pretty good to look at generally. Okay. At least the symbols that are listed here. I don't see one that I like. Ooh, that's I don't I don't see any that like are yeah. so far off. So remember, of what my interpretation was. Cite your sources. Yeah. It's kind of hard to cite sources with symbolism though, to be fair. Okay. Well, we should get to the last story. Um, our favorite story or Two of us, two thirds of us, the majority yep. of us is favorite story. <laughs> a clean, well lighted place. The greatest I, short story of all time. One of, of probably, one of. I think, according to us and also James Joyce. Yeah. Um, I actually wrote, uh, well, I didn't write an essay. I did a presentation over this oh. short story in high school. Oh. Um, so I already knew a bit about the deeper interpretations of it. Um, I read this before. Um, I think on an unreleased episode of the podcast. Yes. Yep. Because I not, told you to. Because you said, yeah, you said you hated Hemingway, and I was like, or you didn't get it, and I was like, come on, read the short stories, and I sent you this one. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, so uh, it's late at night in a Spanish-speaking country of some kind, probably Spain. Eh, maybe not. I don't know. I would imagine, or Cuba maybe? I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's a Spanish-speaking country. Um, For one important there, reason, because you'll find out. Yeah. There is an old man in uh, in a cafe that is very well lighted uh, and clean. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like a good client. And he comes in and he drinks and then until they close up and then he leaves. Um and there's two waiters talking to each other and they talk, they're talking about how he was, uh, he tried to commit suicide the week before and they're talking about like why it's, you know, one waiter says he was in despair about nothing because he has plenty of money. Um, and then they have another short conversation about, uh, this, soldier and a, and a girl he's with and then um the deaf man calls for more alcohol and uh the waiter gives him another glass um and then he rudely says you should have killed yourself last week which the deaf man of course doesn't hear um and then they they go back talking to why he would kill himself he tried to hang himself his niece cut him down blah 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 and um, I say blah, 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 because I'm just trying to speed it up. Yeah. Uh, you know, they talk about what might help him, a wife, something else. Um, he calls for another. And then the uh, the younger of the two waiters who wants to get home, he said he wants to get home to his wife. Uh, he says that he can't have another, even though they don't close up for another hour. Um and, you know, the other waiter's like, why are you kicking him out? We don't close for another hour. Um, and he says that uh, the older waiter says that 
you know, you have youth, um, and you know, confidence and a job. And he says, like, I am of those who like to stay late at the cafe with all those who do not want to go to bed with all those who need a light for the night. And so he, the older waiter likes to keep it open uh, for people who need it. Um, bodegas and bars aren't the same. Uh, the older man, they, they both leave. The older waiter is walking and he starts reciting the Lord's Prayer. But uh, he replaces a bunch of words with nada. Hmm. Um, uh, it was all nada y pues nada y nada y pues nada are nada who are nada nada be thy name thy kingdom nada thy will be nada in nada as it is in nada Um, and he ends up at a bodega he gets um, a little cup of something um, and he complains about how you know the light's good but the it's not clean in this bar Hmm. um and then he leaves and he goes to bed and he is not able to fall asleep until the morning. And he says, Oh, it's only insomnia. Many must deal with it. Um, but yeah, I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts before I, there's so much packed into so little words. I like, okay, this is like the best example of, um, Weisberg theory, because what may seem just like about like just a simple conflict between two waiters and then deaf old man who doesn't want to leave or um, just comes to the, he's like a regular at this um, cafe. Um, but underneath the surface um, is just like, Oh, it's a, him musing about life. Um, the the young waiter is kind of rude because he's um, inexperienced and I, it's not Hemingway condoning his actions. It's him condemning the actions because the older waiter calls him out on it and it's not viewed to be very nice. Um, and it, it's framed in a way that it's like, oh, he's um, just very just rude and experienced in life. And he just has no manners and no chill, really. And the older waiter is just like, man, it's calm down. Um, he's lived a rough, rough life. Um, and he, he, basically just the best part about old age is that it just doesn't last long. Um, and he's just trying to do his job the best he can, et cetera, et cetera. And um, yeah, and then they start kind of like passive aggressive arguing about like oh um we we should have take taken care of him we should have not and then um i forgot what they're talking about but they also brought up religion in a way and the fact that he used nada uh, meaning nothing in spanish and and the prayer um is low-key kind of blasphemous because um the words that he replaces are just have to do with religious context like direct religious context um like i think god and heaven are all replaced and this the fact that the old man saying it just proves that the old man's a nihilist. He's seen so uh, not the old man, the older waiter is a nihilist. He's seen so much and he just, you know, he just wants to give the world um its fair shake before he goes. And um the cafe is kind of a it, it's a refuge from that soul the emptiness of life. But Luke, what did you think? Yeah, I mean this was his least favorite, by the way. We just gushed about favorite. it. And... <laughs> and it's uh it's my least favorite, not because I didn't like it but I just thought it was so boring and forgettable. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're offended. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, I'm guessing you're not a guy that's focused on symbolism or um, the deeper context of it. Cause I mean, it's nice if it's there, but I kind of need the story to be interesting first. <laughs> that is, yeah. I mean, yeah. So 
the reason why I think a clean, well-lighted place gets a pass for me for like plot being so simple is because it's four pages long, if yeah. that. I've yeah. seen an edition where it was two pages long. Um, it just depends on font size, really. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, like the with a with a story that short, it can be, really be about anything, and then the importance is just what the author is trying to pull yeah. your attention to whether it's like prose or meaning or symbolism or whatever um and for me the meaning in a clean well-lighted place is so strong and uh prescient 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 um it's 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 just really kind of in your face and then there's still stuff below that that uh it hmm um that kind of makes up for the the lack yeah, of yeah the, the, yeah that that it, it it makes up for it um now what i'm uh what I, i'm going to talk try and talk about the deeper meaning that i talked about in my class um so the first most obvious thing is that uh He's a nihilist, and um, the night and darkness is symbolic of nothing, of nothingness, of the nothingness that is life, um, life right? And so the clean, well-lighted place is a place that brings order to that. Um, I, I would say refuge, so maybe. There's, uh, I would disagree because it kind of pushes it away, right? Okay. Um, it pushes away the, the nothingness, the, the light does. Um, and it, even if you, if, even if you want to say it's a refuge, um, I would then argue that there's a description of it in which, um, it talks about the light being cast on the leaves and the leaves casting shadows on the, mm. uh, on the, um, on the cafe. Oh. And that to me means that um, the meaning that the reading that I would take away from it has less to do with um, an orderly refuge, order bringing refuge to nothingness and more a question of like kind of bringing meaning to life almost because uh, okay. more of like a um, not necessarily uh, absurdist nihilism which is nihil like realizing that life is absurd and like finding meaning anyway. That's a super simplified version of it, but, but that's, that's basically what it is. Not necessarily that, but just like the idea that um, life is meaningless uh, and, you know, the world is meaningless and that's the darkness symbolizes that. Um, and then being able the cafe, being able to bring meaning into that, um, and then I would also, there's also a bit that I would think about, about like, if the light also symbolizes order, then is the darkness, the obvious opposite of that is chaos. And then is there, you know, you kind of need a bit of both in order to, yang and yang. for the place to really be nice, um, for the, for the clean, well-lighted place to really make sense. Mm. If there were no windows and therefore the darkness couldn't get in at all, would it detract from the clean, well-lighted place. Um, so there's like there's like a lot to it, and there's a lot to think about. And I think for this story in particular, there's 
um, there's a starting place to go down, which is orderly and ref or the light being order and, and refuge. Um, and then you can kind of go in a million different directions and really pull your own thing from it. Um, from that starting point. Um, Luke, do you have any, um, did he, did you get all that? <laughs> I got it, man. Okay. I mean, do you have any, um, remarks about symbols? Do, do you have any symbols that we have not, I mean, we're not even, we're not even a third of the way through the story yet, but do you have, we didn't get to the beginning. <laughs> it was just the light. Um, but well, do you no, have any I, symbols? This is like, that's kind of the thing. Like my, my thing was, was kind of, yeah. Um, the whole thing. And you, you can pull the darkness being nothingness just from like, he says nothing over and over again when yeah. he's walking in the dark and it stops in the bodega. And obviously he doesn't do it in the cafe. Um, mm. So it it's, I didn't point specifically everywhere in, in the short story, but I kind of pulled from a lot of places. Yeah. Um, no, that is a valid, yeah, that's a valid interpretation. I, I'm just like, I, I, I do think it's refuge because, um, it, it is bringing order because the deaf old man, um, he's loved his life. He has a disability. Um, he's already grown tired of life and he just goes to the cafe just to get a drink. Um, just basically. And I, I think it's described as him just like staying for there for hours on end. And it always stays up late. Um, and then before he has to get pushed away or kicked out. Um, but he always comes back because that's why I think it's a refuge um, from the chaos. And outside in the world, um, he's committed suicide and he, um, his wife already died. And, the only thing that's um, taking care of him is his niece, which I, I would like to believe, which I guess um, the niece is also saving his life because after a suicide attempt, um, he kind of just saved. He, he cut He cut him down. Um, she cut him down, which I, I mean, I guess now that we're going to attribute more symbolism, um, I'm guessing every single woman in the story is um, kind of just holding them back from the mundanity of life or the chaos of life, something like that. It's keeping them down and grounded. And um, I think the young waiter um, wants to go back to his wife because um, th there's love there. And um, I think the older waiter does. I think his wife passed, I believe. Yeah, the yeah, the, so. the, the women in, in the men's lives are keeping them from uh, feeling the, the meaninglessness. Yes. And um, ultimately committing suicide. Well, I guess the um, older waiter is not there yet. Um, and but he does feel like it, it, it's bound to happen eventually. So when it happens, um, like he empathizes with the deaf old man. Um, and I I don't remember what the older waiter does, but I, I know that the younger waiter kind of takes advantage of it, tells him to leave, tells him very rude things, tells him to kill himself, which uh, should not do. Listener, do not do that. <laughs> do don't do that. Yeah. Um. So basically, um, I think him being deaf is just like, um. I, I think it's a sign of just old age. Um, he can't hear any warnings or anything good about life or anything bad about life. Um, he's just like a passerby in the world. Um, and when the younger man, basically, he, he's just down on his luck. Um, and um, I can keep on going, but like that's kind of the gist of it. Um, there's more. Luke, do you have anything? No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd yeah, agree that... that I didn't really like wasn't thinking too deep about it mm. wasn't really that interested in it i i got nothing man to me the story was about a old dude and some and like a dick waiter <laughs> and he was depressed and old and his wife was dead yeah a surface level yeah okay on surface level the story's kind of bad and boring but 
um, I, I think it's because it's so ambiguous, it calls attention to the deeper meaning and of what mm-hmm. he was trying to do. So, um, I, um, and I will say like, uh, we brought up the thing about James Joyce saying, this is one of the greatest short stories ever because James Joyce is such like a, like a, everything has a deeper meaning. Not necessarily. I don't even think he's necessarily the antithesis to Ernest Hemingway. He is like different. He's got a different style. Definitely. Yeah. But, um, he is, uh, I'm sure he loved this story because literally the whole thing was just a, a front for a deeper meaning. Yes. And James Joyce, like everything that he writes has like a million different interpretations. Yeah, you, you have to have, you have to read an annotated it. copy. You got to have like, yet. you got to have like, I saw, I saw um, online, there was a reference book for Ulysses that was, just as long as the actual book <laughs> it was yeah. this, it was like around the same number of pages does not surprise me um so yeah i'm sure that's why james joyce loved it but uh but i guess to for, to say one last thing i think i'd agree with you that it is that the cafe and the light is supposed to be an, a refuge but the thing that i was trying to say was like why is it a refuge like there's a okay. deeper reason yeah. Like, yes, for those people, it is a refuge. Um, and I was trying to get to the root of why Why is it a refuge? Like, Hemingway has a reason that this place is a refuge for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't have anything else to say. I think we've covered as much ground as we can, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it's a great short story if you are into symbolism and all that stuff, which Luke obviously is not he is um, not that's true this is yeah yeah i mean i love i love symbolism when you can there are multiple interpretations of it um and we can discuss it like this mm. um but i guess luke is the odd man out here yeah it's a hot take luke i every time we talk about hemingway you post that that meme of squidward staring out the window at spongebob and patrick running yeah for How, once the roles have reversed yeah. yeah it's me like, oh, <laughs> i mean i like this guy too guys what do you <laughs> yeah and like this is the weird exception of the rule because um i am um lukewarm on hemingway most of the time um yeah again not my not my go-to author um but honestly i might get a short story collection just because like this is pretty solid mm. um and with that, I'll say uh, follow us on Twitter at Not Just Any Pod. You can find information on this podcast as well as uh, the other one. Um, not just RPG. Yeah, Not Just Any RPG. If you're interested in, in tabletop role playing games, check that one out. Um, uh, please join us next week for the actual episode, the the book club episode on yeah. Hemingway. Um, all three of us have read two of the books that we're going to be talking about. So, yeah, and I've read one of them twice. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't like it either time. Yeah. Um, I'm spite so, I read it again. So yeah. Uh, join us uh, for that. Should be a really good discussion. Cause we've and all rate us, read them. Make us happy. You know, yep. five stars, nothing less than five stars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. We always say that. Yep. Uh, goodbye, Prometheus. Oh, my God. <laughs> you forgot. <laughs>